welcome to another episode of Everybody Ought to Know, a spiritual view into family, life, and leadership. Welcome to another episode of Everybody Ought to Know. I'm Sean Braley. Uh, today we are going to be talking about family, something near and dear to my heart. Uh, for those that have been listening along, uh, I do help with the family basic ministry at our home church. Um, if I had to put a title to today's message, I believe I would use the title, It's a Family Business. Also, I would go with Legacy. I'm going to start off with a reading of the Word, because everything we do here at Everybody Ought to Know is biblically minded. Uh, in Luke 2, 46 through 49, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking questions. And all that heard were astonished at his understanding and answers. And they saw him and were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, the father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Not to take too abrupt of a turn, but following that, I wanted to relay a personal story that really started this particular message for me or conversation, if you will. I recently had the opportunity to visit my childhood church. Uh, my grandfather was there that day and the minister mentioned from the pulpit all the effort that had gone into building the sanctuary during my grandfather's early years with the church. He mentioned how hard my grandfather and others had worked to build the very sanctuary we were in that day. After the pastor said that, an elder of the church stopped my grandfather afterwards and asked him specifically about the ceiling. My grandfather went into detail mentioning that the wood slats in the ceiling were custom ordered and cut so precise that he and others had to get on a scaffold and work the wood into place the last few inches by hand. The elder smiled and then asked, Is that your handprint then? We looked up where he was pointing, and above our head was a visible five-fingered handprint stained into the wood near where it met the wall. I believe that was the moment this thought came to me. I can't help but see the similarity, similarity between what I just mentioned and the moment recorded in 1 Chronicles 17. And one, where Daniel, sorry, where David sat in a house of cedar. And in that house of cedar, he said it was not right. Because the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. And he wanted to build the Lord a house. If we read down further in the very scripture, we find David was not allowed to build the house. Instead, his son Solomon was the one who ended up doing the building. But it struck me that even though David did not build the house, he didn't stop. He said, I will help plan the building. And so I asked myself, how does that apply to us in modern day? I see oftentimes there is an unintentional thought process that says, if I'm not labeled officially as one of the fivefold ministry, 
Where exactly do I fit in? Now, I admit this is a scripture heavy particular lesson, particular talk, but I did want to cover one more and then I'm done. And so in talking about the building of the temple and the gathering of the resources, in 1 Chronicles twenty two fourteen, it says, Now behold, in my trouble I prepared for the house of the Lord an hundred thousand talents of gold, a thousand thousand talents of silver, of brass and iron without weight, for it is abundance. Timber also and stone have I prepared, and thou mayest add thereto. In the verse right after that, Moreover there are workmen with thee in abundance. Ewers and workers of stone and timber, all manner of cunning men for every manner of work. What that scripture says to me, it tells me that David prepared for the building of the house of the Lord, not only in raw materials, but in layout, in location, and even the workers that would be needed. If I were to compare that to us in the church, men of God, family men nowadays, I would say that every one of us who considers ourselves a parent, or even just a saint, is presented with a unique opportunity to gather resources for the future work. Making sure in our home churches there is a stockpile of peace, hope, and love that our children will be able to build off of. Gathering resources, resources such as regular church attendance, investing our most precious gift, our time, and that of our family into the things of God. Showing the gold of worship and prayer to our babies, that they may see its value. And let's not forget the removal of some things. Tearing down past hurts and fears. Clearing the land of areas in our life where we may have experienced hurt and pain. And it caused things to grow in us future generations can't build on. Because that would be unstable ground. Finally, in comparison to what David did, we are all given the opportunity to invest in those around us. Out of love, sure, but also out of a desire to prepare the people of God as craftsmen for his kingdom. There was a point where David had to consider what people Solomon would need to do the work of the building of the temple. And once he considered it, David had to do what it took to surround Solomon with those people. We do the same by investing in children and those around us that are not necessarily our own, i.e. someone else's babies. I say all this to say the pattern I see is simple. From David to Solomon, down to Jesus, to my grandfather, to me and even the future generation after me, we must all one day be able to say, no you're not, we must be about our father's business. Now, in light of this very special topic to me, uh, I have asked, and he has so willingly complied, uh, a special guest today, Brother Russell Youngblood. For those of you that have been listening along, I mentioned him in our last episode. Uh, I think uh, I didn't ask his permission for that, so hopefully he forgives me. But at this moment, I would love to hear his thoughts about family the church, and how it all ties together. So at this point, I'm going to open the floor to him, brother. Uh, 
I guess first things first is uh, thanks for letting me on. Absolutely. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to actually be here to speak with you. And yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense for me to be a part of this, I guess, because <clears throat> family actually didn't mean a lot to me growing up. I didn't grow up in the most stable of home. Yeah. And I nothing really mattered to me. I I had no connection to anybody really and I was kind of a loner. Yeah. And then uh when I actually came to the church, I actually had a discussion with my wife the other night of she saying that it was so willing for me to come here. Yeah. Is because my thoughts were there was no amount of church that could change who I was. Really? Yeah, because my my thoughts were especially, you know, living out in the world, I didn't think God could do that. Oh. Because I didn't believe in God the way that I believe in him now. Yeah. So there was all of that. But you had mentioned in the very beginning about legacy. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's been hitting me here a lot lately because legacy is more than just what you leave behind. It's... It's, it's an attachment to your name. Yeah. And as much as I thought about it growing up, to me it did not matter about what I'd left behind. I agree. Because I truthfully didn't care. I was, I was a drug addict and alcoholic before I was 18 years old. So, Which I, is tough. Oh, it, bro. It was. And it wasn't tough while I was living in it because I didn't know anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean... The environment I grew up in, and that was that was what everybody did, and yeah. so it, it it was what it was. But now, saying all of that, and the fact that I have a loving and caring wife, yeah. I have a three and a half year old son, yeah. a nine month old daughter, and the only thing I can think of is what will my name mean to them when I'm gone. I understand. So. Family now, especially mine, means a lot more to me than it used to. And believe it or not, it actually took for me to have a son to do that. Yeah. Because as much as I love my wife, I didn't understand what true love really meant until I had a son. Oh, yeah. Because it was, I have to do everything I can to raise him right. And I have to love him in a way that I've never loved anyone else. Oh, man. And if if I could point out there something that just occurred to me in what you said. How much is that like Jesus? And when we adapt that mentality that you just mentioned is when we take on a little bit more of who he is. Because everything that he did He's done for his children. That's who we are. Yeah. Uh, The sacrifice he gave. He didn't have to. He's been so much better than we've ever deserved. And in turn, when we begin to realize what we're a part of, we realize the name that you mentioned. You don't have the name you used to have. You got a new one. And so because you've got a new name, that's a legacy worth carrying. Because 
That name, that's one that our babies should know about. A new name written down in glory, as the old old timers used to say. So, yeah, no, and 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 learning all of this, and it's it's extremely hard because I am not an emotional person. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, you know that for a fact. <laughs> no, I would have never guessed, bro. You, now you slipped that one by me. No, no. And, and you know, and it, it's taken a lot through all of this. And really, I, I've been going to church here for nine years now. Yeah. And based upon all of that, when I first showed up, <clears throat> I had a uh, six-foot bubble, so to speak. And uh, I didn't, I didn't like, you know, people getting near me or anything like that. I didn't talk to people, and you know, I, I try to, <laughs> I try to branch beyond that now because, uh, man, there is this one guy that just broke me. Oh yeah, yeah, just yeah, broke he you. Just he just broke me. Uh oh. Every way possible, he he had no problem getting in my comfort zone. Yeah. And uh, and you know what? Realistically, it was what I needed. Yeah. And it took me. A little while to see that but there's there's nothing you can really place so to speak of what you think you need and what you actually need yeah and that's what the church is really about and that's what I've learned is this kind of family is different than the family that I grew up with yeah and you know I mean hearing I love you growing up and then seeing the things that I seen, yeah, it, it put a twist on it. Didn't I, didn't translate. Yeah, no. How can you say that and do that? Yeah, exactly. And then uh, when I came here, and people were like, "Oh, I love you," and it's like, "Yeah, that's cool," you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I hear that a lot. That sounds good. Yeah, Every time yeah. I've heard it, sounds great. Yeah, and then it it really it changes when they actually show it and they appreciate you and they call you, and, you know, when you need something, they're there. Yeah. Or they, they try to be. Yeah. So, I mean. That that's that's brings to memory a particular thing. And I don't know if I said it in the podcast before. Forgive my bad memory. But I know I've said it to other brothers in the churches. Our job is not to tell people about Jesus. Our job is to show them Jesus. And you do that by love. There was a minister I was listening to recently, and he was elaborating about spiritual gifts, uh, which I still believe they work. I believe in healing. Absolutely. I believe in the power of prayer to change things, yeah. completely change things in this world. And he said, many of you have the belief that the gifts of the Spirit operate through faith. He said, No. The gifts of the Spirit operate the same way everything God, Jesus, did through compassion. If you remember every moment of the Bible where a miracle happened, go back and look closely, and you'll see he was moved with compassion, and then a miracle happened. Hmm. And it should be such in our lives when the focus of what we do for his kingdom is through the love because that's what a true family is is where you go someplace and you know there's love there because it makes you want to come back it makes you want to be a part it breaks down a six-foot bubble yeah yeah it really does and 
<clears throat> all, all of that being said is the family movement that is within the church. It's just, it, it's not translated as to the way that I always seen it. Yeah. Uh, cause I had thought about this the other day cause we were talking about disciples. Yeah. You know, everybody looks at a pastor, a preacher, and everything else, and they think that that is the disciple, and that is the one who reaches people. But realistically, I feel as if that he can't reach people like the people in the church can. Because the way everybody, especially me, growing up in the world, is the way I seen it was, that man's supposed to live that way. Yeah. And that's why he lives that way of course you know the veil has been torn and i didn't think about all of that and you know it's, yeah. it's supposed to be more than just going to a man but if you have that interpretation then everyone else out there has the same interpretation exactly and that is why people in the church are much better at reaching other people because it's like well why do you live this way yeah well because of what the bible says it's in spirit and in truth and if you reiterate all of that into yourself and you see it and you see how your life changes and the way that love actually takes over your life, it's just, it's, it's completely different than what I would have expected. I agree. I had a talk with another young man. I won't mention his name. I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> Recently. And he said, you know, I think I've figured it out. He said, most times when I spend time with people, I can figure out what the angle is. I can figure out what they want. And a lot of times the world conditions you that way. You spend time out in the world and you figure out what that person wants from you. And then if you're willing to give it, if you're willing to make some type of transaction occurs and maybe you get to go a little further in your job because you've done what your boss asked. Or maybe you get to do this and you get help in the future in whatever situation. That's how the world works. But God's economy is not the same as the world's economy. And so in many ways, it is the most selfless and sometimes a little bit selfish. Because here's, here's what I get when I reach out to my brother. Here's what I get when I reach out to those in the church. I'm not doing it for any other reason than Jesus. A, because he's been good to me. And B, because one day... I want to make heaven my home. Now, I consider that the ultimate reward, so maybe that's a little selfish. But at the end of the day, the primary motivation for why I want people to feel like family in the kingdom and in the church setting and everyone that we come in contact in the terms of being in contact with the church is I want them to know what I know, is that it doesn't have to be the way that some of us grew up. It didn't have to be you do this for me and I do that for you. It can simply be Jesus paid it all. Let's get in there. Let's work together. It can be better for all of us. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it's, it's really not selfish because the way that God, Jesus, the way that it all works is he wants to be with you. And I see it as the way that when I come home and my boy sees me, he's just, he's so excited to see me. Mm -hmm. He hasn't seen me all day. I agree. He is, I, I guess I would be, I'm his hero, yeah. so to speak. And yet through all of that, Jesus is the exact same way. Yeah. 
it, it literally goes both ways. He sees you, he's excited. Yeah. And then I see him, I'm excited. Yeah. So for that day, whenever it comes, it's just, I want it to be, I'm glad that I'm there and I want him to be glad that I'm there. That right there, Russell, it struck a chord with me and I'm going to wrap this up with one thing and then we're going to pray out. But we've talked about family and you talked about father and you talked about a son. And so I have to relay one more time the stereotypical, the prime example of when I think about Jesus. I think about the story of the prodigal son. When I think about the story of the prodigal son, we focus on the son. But look at what the father did. Because when the son got close enough to where the father could see, he didn't wait. He didn't say, as we sometimes still do in our humanity, he didn't say, well, they're going to have to come a little bit further. They're going to have to show me they really want it. No, the father said, if I can see him, if I can just see him, he's close enough to where I can see him. I'm going to run after him with all I've got. And that is the passion that Jesus has for his children. Is that if you can just take that step, if you can just come a little bit closer to where he can see you, to where he can see that you want to be a part, he's going to come after you. And that's what a father does. A true loving father, he looks after his babies with everything he's got. And that's who Jesus is to me. Amen. Brother Russell, if you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and end in prayer. Um, we thank you all for being a part of this. After the prayer is over, we'll wrap. We love you. Once again, thank you for tuning in to Everybody Ought to Know. Um, Jesus, help us today. Help us to experience the relationship that you want us to experience. That of a father and a son. That of being a part of of the family you love us god you've kept us this far you've brought us from all walks of life and we didn't deserve everything that you've done for us but everything that you've done we are so grateful and amazed when we turn around and we look at all that you've done no one can ever doubt it had to be you we know it couldn't have been anything we did on our own those things that we built those walls those separations they'd still be there and there'd still be a testament to the hurt and pain in our past life. But you said, I'll take care of it. You said, that looks heavy. Let me carry that for you. I'll love you. I'll help you. I'll make you what you're supposed to be, who you're supposed to be in the kingdom. We love you, Lord. We give you all the glory. We're so thankful for your love, the peace you place in our life, the hope we have in you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Everybody Ought to Know. And remember... In a world that's focused on itself, please take some time this week and focus on Jesus.